So, yo, Mike, it's good to hear you. I, I, I haven't talked to you in a while. I know we've been texting back and forth. Um, you're on the West Coast. I know I just heard that you guys got shut down for another couple months with this pandemic. Uh, what's going on over there? I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, but we did get shut down. I thought I was going to see you guys today, but we're just talking. <laughs> I miss your face. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we got we got shut down yesterday. I don't know how that is going to work out because uh, it's an eclectic kind of place out here. I think you're going to get a lot of people rebelling. Um, for me, I'm okay either way. I, I got a gym. I got my setup. Um, I'm playing the whole, whole old-school, full-time bodybuilder attitude. I see you. I see you on Instagram. I mean, you got a nice setup in your house, you know, with the gym. So you're you're fortunate at least to be able to do that and and train while everybody else is like depressed not to be able to go to the gym. Can't even imagine it. Can't I even can, imagine. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Now, so, I, now I got a friend who's got a gym in uh, in Oceanside, and he um he opened his gym yesterday. So I'm sure you saw this on on Metroflex, Mikey Metroflex. Yeah, Gavin Lewis. He got arrested. He went to uh, he, he he went to jail. Got out on bail. Came back and opened his gym again. So and then, and then Elon Musk Elon Musk kind of you know defied the the local ordinance and opened his plant in Northern California. So yeah, I, I see three more months of this. I don't see it happening, man. I see people revolting left and right, and and it's it's I don't know what this governor is thinking, but the the the. The lockdown is not technically a lockdown. If you can go to Walmart, to the supermarket, to the, the gas station and the auto parts store, but you can't go to church and you can't go to the beach, that doesn't reckon with people. And or liquor stores. Or liquor li stores. Yeah, liquor stores. Or, or marijuana shops. Pot dispensers. And you can get an abortion, but you can't get your <laughs> Botox. You know? <laughs> but... Uh, so, John, we got a lot in common. Some of the things is like we're both a little older. We both had uh, both had kids. So you're having fun with your son. I see that, too. He's uh, you, with yeah. Titan. How many how many kids do you have now, Rich? I have I have two. I have a 13 year old daughter and now a, a nine month old um, son. So a beast, <laughs> a nine month old beast. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's walking already. So, yeah, he's going to be running around soon <laughs> i can't wait to see him and titan train yes, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. that'll be awesome the how G cool is it i, I mean I, I don't know about you um i come from a huge family of 10 so i never thought i was gonna have kids uh, until i met the girl that i'm with and then i'm like okay she she can handle this and, and with or without me so i i thought that was like okay i can definitely have a kid and uh it's cool it's a cool thing, man. Mostly at this stage of the game, doing it. I don't think I could have done it when I was 20, 25, man. I, I, props to people that have kids at young ages. Um, but, man, it's it's fun. John, you're, you had kids young, right, John? Ha, ha, yeah, I don't have any more kids. They're done. They're, they're adults now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know what? I, I got to tell you, it's a phenomenon. I, I know about 10 guys in our age group who are now having kids either for the first time or the fifth time, but they're having, you know, babies at this stage in life. I got to, I got to give you guys a special slot in heaven because I could not possibly do it. I would assassinate it. There's no way I, I, I am so over being a father. I'm done. I went through so much crap with, 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 with 
parenthood in general, that at this stage in life, I can't imagine it. And I, I really, I take my hat off to you guys that, that, can, that can do this. You are absolutely superhuman in my book. <laughs> now you just scared me. No. <laughs> is this your first kid, Mike? This is yeah. my first. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. You, forget it. You, you... <laughs> what are you telling this guy? This? You, know, you know why? Great I show, guys. Thanks for coming. Goodbye. <laughs> I, I definitely am enjoying, you know, fatherhood again. And, you know, it's it, it has rejuvenated me. Um, even though I'm an older father, I feel that it has made me more motivated. Um, and I think probably the same thing for you, Mike. What are you, you know, saying you're even more motivated? you know, for this child to be, you know, you're, you're his mentor and representative, you know, of life. Yeah. There's three stages for me. When I, when I look back, um, with this, the, the, the legacy we've had, I look back to the young me and that was the selfish. I wanted to be the greatest in the world, um, kind of passion, you know, and I'll, I'll wake up at whatever time to train. Cause I wanted that, that glory. Um, and then I lost my parents and I found even a higher, kind of motivation and passion because I wanted to do it then for the, uh, I lost both my parents. And so I was doing it more for the last name and representing them. And that gave me more passion than, than the young selfish kid. Um, and then now at this stage, it's like, holy shnikes, I want to be able to, um, I had great parents, um, but there was 10 of us. So we didn't get nurtured. So I want to be that kind of father that nurtures this kid and, and, and is there every step of the way and, and, um, kind of try to be that superhero for him. So it's even more motivation, like you're saying. It rejuvenated me and took me out of my uh, selfishness and into something greater. It, it is. Fatherhood is just, in, unless you become a father, you really don't know. Um, but it's something where you are more selfless. You know, my dad, you know, when he, he was a very selfless person. He lived for his kids. And, you know, I saw that, you know, because, like you said, I came to this country for a better life for you, you know, and I had $3 in my pocket and I still made it here and you have a better opportunity. So now we have these kids that also that we have to show them like, you know, this is what it's about, you know, and I think it's a great thing, you know, and even being older like yourself where, you know, you're a little younger than me, but um, it's a great thing. You know something, I, I know you can appreciate this because your dad set you up to win, right? He gave you a, a, a foundation of, you know, his beliefs and his hard work. And then that gave you something and your intensity. I heard something the other day that just made me uh, tingle in a sense and just got fired up. My ceiling should be my son's floor. And so everything that I've accomplished, that that's where that boy starts now. That boy starts to work off of that. And so my parents set me up to do what I got to do. And now I do the same for him. Don't you feel the same way? Like everything you've that, created... That Definitely. It's something that I think about that I said, you know, this kid's going to be way bigger than I ever was. And that's, 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 that's what I want him to accomplish. Well, let me, let me give you youngins a little bit of word of advice when it comes to rearing your, your son. <laughs> what, you know, that, that's a great, Mike, that's a great thing to say. My ceiling is his floor, but don't give it to him. He's got to earn it. No, he's no, got to, no. Yeah, he's got to. There's so many people today raise kids that are absolutely helpless, and I see 100%. it. And I, my son just turned 21, and, I, and you know, it was it's a it's a it was a big thing to move that over, you know, get him into isolated solo adulthood. You know what I mean? Right. right. But 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 you got to teach them. 
you got to teach them these things that are that are that are important and and you know tough love is is a part of that and a lot of good people are afraid of it because tough my father was was tough man we grew up after we moved out of the city we moved upstate new york and we lived on a farm and let, let me tell you there was the farm truck there was the tractor and there was me and we all got used equally and that oh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe no, me a little Johnny, more than the other <laughs> that's so true and i think that i think for us us guys and I hope I don't offend any snowflakes, but for us guys, we're old school. You know, we were raised by OGs, not IG. Right, so right, Our right. beliefs, I was working at nine years old doing a paper out. Imagine you guys doing the same kind of thing at a young age. We had 10 brothers and sisters, so we had to help out financially. Sure. And you got to remember, my girl is from Romania, third world country, grew up on a dirt floor, outhouse, um, couldn't speak the language, came here and made herself a multimillionaire. So her beliefs and my beliefs are so work your ass off, work your freaking ass off. We're not going to hand you nothing. And that mentality is going to just translate into this kid. Um, but yeah, it's tough love. And I, I coach that way. I coach with tough love. And, and I imagine you guys do the same thing is you can't, uh, I don't know what you say, uh, spoon feed everybody. Right. At yeah. some point they got to freaking watch you keep their mouth shut pay attention to your habits and go, okay, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. I don't need to ask. I can see it. Listen, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sergeant with my daughter. I'm, you know, <laughs> she's 13, you know, I'm very much very, everything about structure, how good she does in school. She understands that. So that is something that I'm instilling her that, you know, the way to success is that nothing's handed to you. You've got to work for it. And you got to work hard. And that's something my dad instilled in me is nothing's given to you unless you work hard. And that's something that we should push to our kids, you know. And you don't want to you don't want to raise helpless people. You know, you don't want to no. raise a boy who doesn't know how to change a tire. You know, you want you, you want you want capable, self-sufficient, contributing adults. And, and why can't people talk this way anymore? Why is that <laughs> right? No, it's true, right? Right. It's completely true. It's completely true. You know, it's your kids. You should give them everything. Like, yeah. You gotta still work for it, and it's it's weird that the generations you're not even allowed to talk this way anymore. To say, no, my kid's gonna start working. Uh, he might not do a paper route or something, but he's gonna he's gonna earn it. Um, it. It's a it's a weird culture today with how this lockdown and how the world is living right now, and the way that you offend everybody if you don't agree with them. It's it's crazy. Nuts. Well, we both we both come from blue states. You know, I'm in New Jersey. You're California. John actually moved to you know, down south to South Carolina, because I guess he he wanted more like the conservative ways, you know, there, there with the, uh, I, I don't want to offend anyone from South Carolina. I was going to say hillbillies or rednecks, but I'm not going to say it. Hey, man, there's <laughs> nothing like going to the liquor store and buying a bottle of bourbon and getting a free gun. <laughs> But you know, but but all kidding aside, R Richie, this is this is the common thread, one of the common threads that runs through this theme of our show with all of the guests that we've had on so far, and all of the ones that we're looking to get in the future. It's the same common theme. It's hard work. If 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 you are if you are a disciple of hard work and you have that work ethic, like Mike is talking about, that's. That, that's the key to success right there. If you believe in that, in that only, you'll be fine. You, you so. know, it's fun. It, it's, you guys are, yeah, we, I think everybody you named, before we started the show, you said you did, you know, a video with CT, or you sat down with CT, Mark Bell, uh, Ben, 
And the guys you're talking about, and I, I don't know who else you've done this yet with, but I mean, the, the people you're talking about is character. To be famous, you got to be good at something, right? But to stay on top, that's character. That's hard work. And that's the difference between everybody you guys are, are, are talking to. These people are willing to put in the work day in and day out and not uh, sit back and go, hey, I won something, I'm great. Now I should, I should get that reward for my life. And it doesn't work that way. Definitely. So, Mike, we've known each other for, shoot, I hate to say it's a show our age, like 30 years. <laughs> I've known you from Gold's Gym yeah. in Venice. And right. you've been you've been in that gym and, you know, like training. And I, I just, it's amazing yeah. that I want to say, like, what you've been able to do. I mean, never you never won any major, you, you know, you weren't in the Mr. Olympia. But right. you still were able to become, you know, famous through your accomplishments in working hard. You were on TV with um, Gladiator, which was a, a while back. And then you got re-asked to do, when the show came back, you were asked to do the show again. You were the only one that, out of all the guys from the previous show, to do it a second time, correct? That's correct. He was the only guy and in shape. <laughs> the only guy in shape after how many years? <laughs> Mike doesn't look any different than he did when I first met him 30 years ago. It's no actually, different. Might be better. You actually look better. You're bigger, <laughs> fuller, harder. So it's it's just amazing. And you know, like you said, you work hard. I mean, I'm watching. Listen, you know, I'm I I, I can still train hard in certain body parts, which I'll still you know. You've asked me to come train with you. I'll do legs with you, back with you. Can't really do chest with you. I I watch you do shoulder presses with like, what was it 275 for reps and 315 standing press. I was just showing him behind the neck presses. I go. This guy got a spine of steel. <laughs> yeah, have, you ever, have you ever had like an MRI or anything done to find out like why you're so freaking superhuman? Or is it like, what is it? So I was lucky enough at a young age to, to like a style of lifting and understand it. And then uh, as I did more research and more research through the years, I understood about uh, things like Wolf's Law, which is the science of bones. Um, where it breaks it down and makes it stronger, and it basically creates uh, a superhuman body. And so I continue to train that way. Um, and if you guys, you guys have known me, I, I, you know, for over 30 years. I mean, I was first in the magazines in 1987, mm -hmm. wow. and uh, then in California in 1990 till you know currently. And uh, the one thing I'll do is I train heavy, and I train heavy every workout, and I train heavy every day and I've done that consistently and that buildup of time um, actually made the joints and connective tissue and bone density stronger so in in a sense it's just kind of created a superhuman physique and well the inner body instead of the outer body and the secondary was a, obviously you build muscle if you weight lift yeah but you're like you're you're in shape I mean, like I, what I see is all year around, basically, you're in, in great shape. Um, training heavy, training hard. I mean, you're, I, can, I could say it, you're in your 50s, or you yep. just turned 50. And it's amazing, like I said, how, how well you look. And I tip my hat to you because, you know, I, I started very young. I think we probably started the same age. I started when I was 13. Unfortunately, you know, I had genetic predisposition for degenerative discs, so... What retired me is my disc, you know, kept degenerating. So lifting heavy wasn't something that, you know, was was good. But I still train fairly heavy on a lot of body parts. I have no knee problems, hip problems, 
but uh, what I'm saying about you is just like you said, whatever you're doing, you're doing it great. <laughs> and and uh, and being a good representative of us guys in our 50s. <laughs> well, well, you know, a lot of guys say they train heavy. I can list 10 guys who say they train heavy, but they're all broken now, you know, yeah. at, at this age. How how what do you attribute, Mike? Your your longevity to your ability. I mean, you. I mean, honestly, you, you. When I say you don't look like you've aged, you. Anybody who knows you knows that you don't look like you've aged at all. So, are you just genetic? Do you believe that it's just a genetic blessing, or do you do something that maybe that's top secret that nobody else he's a knows? Vampire. He's, or, he's, he's a vampire. Yeah, you, are you drinking, you know, virgin's blood in the middle of the night? We all know about it. I mean, what is it? <laughs> made a deal with the devil <laughs> i think it's a combination of all of it is that i was okay with the the slow growth and the slow consistency and and the work ethic of understanding that uh if i just stay true on my course regardless of what the industry was trying to force me to do um i could do something for a lifetime and uh, uh, is there secondary stuff? 100%. Man, do I, I take care of my skin? I, I lotion up 24-7. I wear sunblock 24-7. Have my entire... I'm one of those kids that said, you know, the mom said, hey, put on sunblock. And I listened and I did it every day. And so I got healthy skin. Um, I lotion. I, I, I train heavy. I train hard. Um, but I don't destroy uh, like like your boy Lee Haney said, you know, uh, stimulate, don't annihilate. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And I train, and, and through the years, I train smarter and smarter and smarter, understanding it really doesn't come down for me to go in and destroy it and, and crawl out of the gym relative to going in and hitting some heavy stuff and making sure the nutrition is on point all the time. And I've just been absolutely ridiculous retarded when it comes to nutrition through the whole time since I, I started lifting at nine, I was on stage at 13 and I've never really been off a nutrition plan my entire life. Wow. Just annoyingly consistent. So, so Mike, what, you know, what we're interested in is like learning about what you're doing to monetize yep. what you do and, and what's really interesting. And, you know, I, I follow you, but what I was really amazed at is, you know, you have a following of over 1.7 million people. You know, that's on on, fa on Instagram. I don't know what you have. Facebook is probably even more. Total is, uh, I, get, I think we're at over 4 million uh, on total social media. Well, well that's, no, that, that's, the, that's the question, Richie, we need to ask first before yes, the monetization. Yes. How did you do no, that? How, how did you how, do that? How did yeah. you do that? Yes. Yeah, like what, what guys, was... You're old school. I'm sorry, John. No, you're sorry. old school. You're old school like us. Right. I didn't realize the benefits of social media till afterwards i think you understood it very quickly to grow that like you did yeah i think with when when it came to social media or anything i do um as you know like i didn't compete at the mr olympia but i did my stuff um and weeder was so good to me in the sense of still using me and putting me out there even though you know i wasn't in the olympia and i understood what television does. And I understood that because you, like you said, I was on gladiators and TV shows like battle dome and then uh, young and the restless and, and other shows. And then that, that combination of being in the worldview to me, uh, I understood at a young age that that could get me something. And also the uniqueness that I was a little different than everybody in a sense that I stayed true to my path. 
um, in my beliefs. Like, because I remember when you and me were lifting as youngsters, did not everybody lift heavy? Pretty much. Rich? Yes. Everybody. Yeah, everybody walked, lifted heavy. Mm-hmm. Right. I trained with them. I my first training partner was Tom Plaza. And we would go sick workouts, and everybody flex Chris, Rico, all those guys at Golds would train heavy. Billy Smith, yeah. Mike, and Jim Quinn, uh, just. And then that went away, and everybody said, "No, no, go light." And then they changed up the training, they changed up the philosophy of it, and I continued on my path. And I also knew that if I just stayed true to me, I guess there was something that was and and did translate to social media. And the people's eyes that goes, the guy is consistent, but he's consistent with his own beliefs and what he did principle as a young kid as he gets old. Um, and I think that helped through the social media. And as the TV shows help you get worldwide and, and the continuous of that and staying in shape, that's what helped it. And, and I think I knew that like you and me, we had to do the, the magazines. And those magazines didn't come out for how many months afterwards? Three. Yeah, it could be mu- three months. Three months. Yeah, three months. Ever. Three but when TV hits or commercials hit, you're world famous instant. Right. Mm-hmm. But even before so, that, Mike, what, what when you, I mean, what's the last, like, you know, job you had that wasn't a, a to- attached to fitness or, or, or entertaining? I mean, like McDonald's. What was, what was, I mean, what was the time, I guess the question I'm trying to ask you is your, your aha moment when you realized I can make a living off of doing this. And this, that, that had to be way before social media. Oh God, dude. It was, it was, was at least, uh, so when, when did we find out that Facebook came out? (laughs) That's 2008. Yeah. Right. Seven or eight. Seven and eight. So, you got to remember, magazines was 1987 for me. Um, first covers was 1990. And uh, Joe Weider flew me to California, did shoots. This will be a little story. Sorry, guys. Um, but just for your viewers to understand, those magazines came out, and I was still living in Washington at my mom and dad's. And Joe called me up and said, uh, uh, what would you think of the cover? And I go, I freaking love it. <laughs> he goes, we want to use you, but you need to get your ass down here. So get down here. I'm going to put you under contract. And we're going to rock and roll. And I'm like, Mom, Dad, I'm out. And they're like, hell yeah, get out of here. Um, How old were you at that point? 20. Wow. wow. So you just you just immediately got on the rocket ship. Yeah, because 17, I was in Iron Man magazine for teen scene. And then um, I was periodically in the magazines just for com- competing, winning uh, powerlifting meets and, and men's shows at 18 and 19. And then uh, by 20 is when I won the universe and uh, wow. met Weeder. And he says, get your butt down here. And that's so. So that was the aha. And that's, you know, that's 18 years before social media. Wow. Um, I mean, it was like, I mean, that's during the time that I was competing. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I made a great living from, you know, being a competitive bodybuilder. You know, I traveled the world, won prize money. Yeah. Um, but then I had to pivot. Um, you didn't really make money from competitions. I, I don't think nope. so. But, I mean, but you nope. were able to monetize, you know, getting, you know, photo shoots done with Weeder, getting parts on TV shows. Yep. And, and those things are what you use to, to grow your, the awareness of who Michael Hearn so, was. So for me, watching my mom and dad work a lifetime, I learned some things. Um, I learned that... A foundation needs to be created. And I also learned that through health and fitness. 
build a foundation and then fine tune it, right? Isn't that kind of what you did as a youngster? We put all that size on and then we fine tuned it. Yes. So mm -hmm. with acting and the way I've lived my life, I was very much uh, uh, an unspendy guy. So when I got the contract from Weeder, I saw all the other guys get contracts and these guys went out and spent it. They spent it on the boom system for their cars. And I'm like, why are they doing that? Now, remember, I come from 10 where we lived, you know, very modest and, and we were working. So I go, no, 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 no. I'm going to take my money and put it away and put it away and put it away. Got a contract. I put the money away. And then I started investing in commercial real estate and that built a foundation. And so through the years, everything I got for me and it's probably another reason why I didn't have kids yet, because I was building such a foundation for myself. Um, and I was so scared. I was like, this could all be gone tomorrow. Um, uh -huh. so, yeah, all the Gladiator money, all the Battle Dome money, the, all the TV shows, I kept putting it away and wouldn't take anything out. And the only thing I would spend to live would be the money I'd make off my uh, apartment complexes. Um, and so I kept buying and doing that and living a life to where I kept buying and covering and then build a foundation to where I'm like, Okay, I did it. I created something now here. And I know this doesn't have to do with social media, but it has to do with being scared and understanding that our life as a bodybuilder, it's not guaranteed. Yeah. Next year's not guaranteed. Money's not guaranteed. And you don't make money. You don't really make money off of those endorsements and stuff. They're okay money to live, yeah. but nothing great. But if you keep putting it away and, and compound and build and build and build, and then buy something that makes money while you sleep, then you're turning things around. Um, well, what, 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 what our listeners should know is, like you said, you you didn't spend your money frivolously. You took that money, saved it, got real estate, which is a really smart investment, and that's and that would help you become financially independent. Correct. And, th and, and, that, that, and that affords you a lot of freedom to do whatever the heck you want. I don't think your listeners will understand this. Why do most bodybuilders stop? Well, usually injury or they're broke. <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> Thank you, right? That, like I was joking earlier when we were talking, I said, I'm kind of living that bodybuilding lifestyle right now. I yeah. get up, I train, I sleep, I train. But we don't work because we're on lockdown, in a sense, in a sense. But it was a yeah. joke. But that's a reason why a lot of people can't continue the lifestyle that we live is because they never put that stuff away. I mean, you and I can talk here forever about guys that we know that were the greatest of the greats, and they didn't put their money away. Yes, um, we, were, we were just talking about He-Man the other day. The, the kid who used to play He-Man at Universal Studios. What was his name? The blonde guy? I know you know him. Uh, you mean Malibu? Didn't Malibu do that? No, uh, Malibu did it later. This this guy was like in the during when you know in like the eighties and nineties. Billy Smith? No, it wasn't Billy Smith. Kind of looks like him. I, I'll, I'll think of his name later. But I mean, he, he played He Man at Universal Studios for years. He was He Man, and then and then now you know he's got a GoFundMe page. You know, this guy's broke. And and how many how many vans and cars are parked out in the back of Gold's Mike with with you know has-beens living in them? You know? I could sit down with you guys, look at old magazines, and I guarantee all of us would be go, oh my god, do you remember this guy? Right. Do you remember this guy? And I always say this. I go, and and you guys have seen this too through the years. I've seen the next great Arnold Schwarzenegger come to Gold's Gym, and within the first year, he's already moved back to Kansas or wherever he's right. from because they go broke and they don't live. It's to be that style, or mostly in those era, that time that we did it, 
it's a rare, rare breed that made it through it. And, and, and um, there had to be something more than just genetics and, and, and talent. You had to put the stuff away and be smart with your finance. Very true. Very, very true. And that's like, that's like I said, what's very interesting about you, Mike, that you were able to do that. Now, I heard you have a huge clientele, like with, is it online training or you have people that you, I guess, a big client base. I was actually talking to one of our acquaintances, you know, as a pro bodybuilder, and he's, he couldn't believe how many clients you had. This was um, Sean Ray, we were talking. And he was like, I guess you were guest posing in Washington. And you're like, yeah, I got, I got like, I don't know, 18 clients that I have right now that we're going to, you know, that I'm going to speak to. And he's like, what? 18 clients here in Washington. <laughs> but it, it's just, you know, what you've been able to do is just amazing. Like, you know, in building that. So what, you know, tell us a little bit about your online, is it online training or whatever so it is I created, you're doing? I mean, I, I, I jumped on the whole concept of like we've done, you know, when I first got to California, I was uh, personal training, uh, you know, working out at four in the morning and then I'd, uh, uh, train people from six o'clock till whenever. And then after that, I would, uh, go to a club and, and bounce at night and then get right back up at four o'clock to train again, um, was my schedule when I first got here. But then how can you train people and go worldwide with it? Well, then I created those workout apps with routines and then also nutrition on top of it. Now I can work with everybody around the world. And that has just unfolded a whole new Titan crew generation. So it's, now my beliefs of training and stuff is just trans. It, social media is great. If you use it correctly, it could be incredible. And it, at this point, it's fun because, again, I set myself in a, in a position to where if nothing else worked, it's okay. I can have a healthy life. Um, and so I got to experiment with things. And so putting programs together and work with people around the world now, which is so fun because then once a week, I'll do a Titan crew and I'll... I'll get online with everybody around the world and, and just talk to them and tell them what they're doing right and wrong. And besides that, they're staying on my nutrition plan and uh, following my workouts. How, how, many, how many programs do you run a month? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's an app, so it gives them the workouts and everything like that. So I got about 4,000 clients around the world. But so, so, so are you, that's, that's incredible. And are, are you, there 4,000 active and you interact with 4,000 people like on a regular yeah. basis? Yeah, so I got a private group called the Titan Crew, and uh, all these guys come through there, and we talk to them there, and also um, through Skype. So it's great, man. It, it's it's pretty cool, man. What social media can do today, that's, compared that's to the true. days that we had to go like casting calls and pull over on the phone and use a, <laughs> get your beeper and, and make a phone call to your agent, going, hey. Get to Hollywood. You got a casting. All right. But you, but you real, but you realize that that's the thing. And you know, in 2008, we were already, you know, in our forties and yep. you were able to figure it out that, wow, this is, this is a tool I can use to, to grow the awareness of who I am. Cause it, you know, it is much harder now to grow huge followings on, on Instagram and Facebook. Like the guys who got in earlier seem to be able to grow those followings a lot, you know, lot more do you Let use some i gotta ask this is gonna be a tough one to answer ready yeah and and, and i was on stage with some guys and i could feel the chip on the shoulder um, <laughs> and and i agree because i'm old school and so i had to do the titles and do everything uh for for you and me we had to win to be something right 
Yes. We had to compete and get on stage and we had to, whatever it was, we had to go against head to head and, and compete. And now, now today I understand if you got a great personality and a decent body, you could, you can get a huge following. Yes. Yep. Now there's gotta be something about the character for the old school guy where he goes, okay, yes, I did win. Yes, I deserve the credit, but yesterday's yesterday. And today's today, and today's new, and everybody's a clean slate, and you got to just work your ass off and continue forward. I think there's a part, and, and you guys tell me if it's not true, that a lot of the guys, old school guys, feel that they're entitled, I should have $5 million because I did this, this, and this. Well, it doesn't work that way. Um, and, and so... What's your opinion on that? I think you're 100% right. If you don't pivot and reinvent yourself um, and you look at just your past, we, I was just talking to John about this. If you if you sit there and, and go on your past glories and don't move forward, because what happened yesterday doesn't matter anymore. You know, that's old news. It's what you're doing now. And and that's something very important that any of our listeners here to to understand is, you know, the guys that really make it like yourself, are not looking at your past glories, are looking what you're doing today and how can you improve upon it. And that's something I, which you're saying is truly 100%. There are some champions that are, you know, that are broke because they, you know, they say I was this great champion and they keep showing pictures of themselves, you know. And I actually think it's very sad because they're, they're looking at themselves and what they were before, but what are they doing now? They're not doing anything. And, they're, and then what, they're, what they are is what you said, they have a chip on their shoulder and they're angry, but they're not doing anything about it. Well, you know, beyond beyond that is is another, I think, common thread that was told to us by at least Ben Pakalski and and um, uh, jo Joseph Rakic and uh, Mike Bell, a uh, Mark Bell, is that is that you there's a element of value that has to be perceived by your audience. And that these guys have all said, the reason I was able to grow such a huge following is that I was able to offer value. And, and a lot of times for free. I mean, like Rich and I are doing that now. We, we're, we don't have a single advertiser on this show. We're doing this just to provide content and entertain and inform people for now. I mean, it's not to say that someday we may not monetize the show, but for right now we're not. We're offering value. What do you think of that? How important is the value offer in gaining notoriety and following. I think that's the only thing. Uh, I, I think in a sense, and, and this is why I said it earlier, if you have a good personality and a decent body, you can be a millionaire um, because social media loves you and people cater to that. So in television, you get a character, right? Now, you're going to have to portray that character. Now, you got to do the best you can, but it's not really up to you if the fans are going to like you. They're going to either like you or not like you. They're going to be like, oh, my God, that character was great. I loved you. I could relate with you. If they can't relate with you and get something from you, they're not following you. And if they're not following you, you're not creating a fan base or, a, 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 in my case, a Titan crew. And if you got nothing to offer them except your own vanity, there's, they're not going to stay there. Um, and so I 100% I agree. And I think that's why I feel bad for some of the guys that were there that were so champions that have that chip. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. You, you, yes, you did do that. But just keep being you and, and continue forward. Just reinvent. Put the work in today now. We can't stop because uh, that's life. Um, 
but the whole thing, like Mark Bell, he has knowledge to share. Ben, Ben has knowledge to share, and he gives that out, and people mm -hmm. follow him for that reasons. And and uh, and it could be even like the fun character. I just like to follow this person because they're freaking funny. Uh, they got great relationships with their buddies, and they got a great relationship with their girl. And I want to follow them because that part of them I can relate with, and that gives me something. And so that's how we can create a big social media like you guys. You got so much history and, and knowledge that you guys have gone through that every time you talk to somebody, there's so much you can go into depth about. And that's going to be not not just that, but uh, that's a huge part of what you guys get to talk about, the old school to new school and how things are different today where they were you know, yesterday. We've all been in this for so long, guys. <laughs> Believe me, I've been, you know, from going from, you know, pro bodybuilder to, you know, owning a, you know, a global supplement company to yep. constantly, you know, like I said, reinventing who I am. And I, I, I feel this is another stage in my life that I want to continue on, you know, and reinventing who, who I am. So I'm totally with you, like in, in constantly not looking at the past, going into the future, offering value. Uh, you know, to individuals, because a lot of times it's just like we're doing a lot of stuff just to to help people. I mean, right. one of the things that, you know, our guests have said is like you get, you know, you're probably going to say, you know, this is what this does. But the amount of people that you have, it's not about the money, but how these people say, oh, my God, you changed my life. I mean, how many people do you have saying it to you and how well does that feel to you? I think when when your listeners and they're listening to you to get some kind of knowledge how to move forward in life. If they get a couple things from you guys, which I guarantee every guest is going to say, everybody has a struggle. Everybody drops at some point in their life. Everybody has a depression moment. Um, and they fight through that. And they make it out the other side. And that motivates people beyond belief. Um, and it helps so many people that are hurting because the majority of society is hurting. They're hurting at different times, but they're hurting. Um, and when you can help somebody come out of a struggle and you change it more than, hey, you got me in shape, more than, hey, I, I like your weightlifting or you're strong, more than that, more than all that kind of stuff, uh, that changes a person. And that's well, the kind of stuff that's the coolest thing in the world. When somebody calls up and says, dude, uh, I saw what you went through. I, I saw how you pulled yourself out of there and, and everything you went through that, that moved me. Cause I was going through this, that, and the other thing. And, and it got me going. And I just want to say, thank you. Or I quit alcohol or I stopped drugs because of you. That stuff makes you feel like, wow, my life is worth living. Or I've done something really, really of value. So Mike, what were some of the adversities? I mean, you've been doing this for over 30 years, 35 years, you know, where were your downs that you were able to then overcome and, you know, come back up? Uh, my early downs was, um, not being able to read and write. And so being scared of what society, um, was going to set me up for. Um, so when I was really young, I was, I, I, I didn't, we didn't know back then. They didn't really test for back then as dyslexia or, or reading problems. So I was growing up going, sheesh, I got to keep this hidden and keep doing this athletic stuff. Um, so that was the first time that I knew I was a different cat. And I knew I wasn't going to fit in with society and how society wanted me to fit in. Um, and so as I continued to grow and, and build my own path, I think it was at that point that I realized I had to go my own way and try to make my own road. And, and Rich, you've been there with me this time, this whole road. I didn't do the Olympia. 
Um, and I tried to stay on this other path. And I don't think it was, it wasn't appreciated by everybody. Uh, a lot of guys didn't like that aspect of who's this guy. If he's not doing the Olympia, why is he getting the limelight? Um, and is me staying true to who I was and just continuing forward uh, was one of the struggles. And then the next struggle is obviously uh, losing both of my parents uh, sent me into a spin. Um, but I just stayed true to uh, my core beliefs and continued forward and pulled myself out. And, and sharing that with people and understanding that struggle of my depression at that time uh, actually helped people more than at, at any point in my career. Um, so, and then you guys know that we, I know we talked about this earlier, but I'm a dog guy. You guys knew that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I am, I am too. So, so am I, when I lost my dog, um, it crushed me, but what pulled me out of it, which is, I think the greatest thing about social media is the communication I had with people that were kind of feeling that same pain. And like you said earlier, Rich, and I'm going to, that people won't remember this, but you said earlier, you said, uh, if you don't have kids, um, you can't describe the feeling. And at this stage now, having a kid, I would never tell a dog person because I was that dog person that says, oh, you got to have a kid because I couldn't relate to it at that time. Yeah. You follow me on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Because yeah. uh -huh. yeah, I was a dog guy. I was like, no, nah, I don't need kids. I got my dogs. And then you have a, a, a son and you're like, okay, this, this is, yeah, this is different. But <laughs> I, I think they're very close. But the, but the, say, but the, saying, the saying rings true to both. And they, they say with respect to children, if without a child, you, you never really laugh and you never really cry. And, yeah. and I think that's, I think as uh, uh, just to show you, I'm not a completely heartless ex-father. Um, I, I, to I totally believe that. You, you know? never stop being a father. John. No, I mean, well, you know what I mean? When you're living, when there's, when I, there's, yeah, you go through, you go through phases of fatherhood. When you go through the phase that your guys are in now, which is the, the beginning phases and you've got to nurture and coddle and teach and, you know, right. direct and, you know, there's a, there's a very involved and then, you know, your kid turns into a teenager and then you hate their guts and they hate your guts. And then that goes on for <laughs> yeah. that goes on for two or three years, you know, and they you know, that's when they get arrested or run away from home and, you know, steal you know, all of that stuff that we all did, too. You know, we don't want to whether we want to admit it or not. And oh, yeah, then then, you know, then you move into when they're like adults. And and honestly, I got to tell you guys from the bottom of my heart, that's the best part of the relationship. I have tons of wonderful memories with my child when my son was little and riding on my shoulders and I'm teaching him about the world and all of that. But now that he's a, an adult and like we work out together and we have this, you know, kind of adult bond, I, I, that's, that's really where, where, where it shines. But man, dogs, dogs are just, God, they're, they're just the most, there is no creature on earth that no matter what is happy to see you when you come home. There's no downside. No, none, zero. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think you guys are, you're gonna you're gonna tell me in a year. But everybody's struggle is what really motivates people and what makes you connect with somebody, and their and their and their flaws. Well, what do you what do you think now? I mean, the struggle the struggle that's going on now with this pandemic and the lockdown. I mean, gyms are closed, uh, personal trainers are out of work. Some of them are not pivoting at all through this than trying to figure out ways to make right. money. How, how, how is this affecting you? And how, and did, did you have to pivot at all to, to, to go through this or what's, what's, um, how, what's your status been through this disaster? Um, we're fine. Um, obviously, uh, rents, 
from all of our tenants. Um, they can hold off on paying, but they're actually pretty good tenants and everybody's paying. Um, so those are fine. Um, you know what's weird to me right now, more than the, this craziness that we're going through, is just how society um, and, and the communication in society and politics and everything now, it freaks me out. Just how... The divide. It, yeah, no, just... It, it, or the racism in the society now, or the ugliness in it, or, or or you can't say this or that about somebody, or it's it's such a anything you do and say is wrong, or could be wrong because somebody else doesn't like it, mm -hmm. and it's like it's an amazing thing where it goes, well, no, no, that's not true. It's my opinion. It's how I feel. It's not hate or anything like that. It's just my opinion, and it's a weird, weird. And what's weird about it is that I got a kid that's growing up right now that's mm -hmm. gonna deal with this stuff and I'm like holy shnikes yeah. how do you how do you teach a kid that this is not how you should act or be or this whole snowflake mentality I don't get it <laughs> I love that snowflake mentality <laughs> right <laughs> but you know what I'm noticing though is that the younger generation now that's the the the, the pre-millennial like my son's age they see that for what it is and they're not attracted to it you know at, at, at all and it's nice to see that there's at least at least the beginnings of some kind of social rebellion against that nonsense because it it's honestly to, just to raise a a bunch of absolutely worthless people human beings just members of society that are practically incapable of contributing because they're so special it, it's just it, it's not sustainable they feel that they're entitled right and that's the and, and, you know, I never felt entitled about anything. And my, you know, my father always taught me that you have, nothing's given to you, son. You have to work for it. If it's given to you, it's not going to stay. And, and I, I think the same thing for you, Mike. It's like you were, you had 10 kids. I can't even imagine having nine brothers and sisters. <laughs> That's, <laughs> so you, that was kind of like right there. You probably, your parents are like, well, I don't have too much time. <laughs> you know, with <laughs> all these kids. I, I could see that as being kind of fun at times, you know. You, you, oh, you're, yeah. never, you're never lonely, that's for sure. Are you close with your brothers and sisters, Mike? We're, yeah, we're, we're close. Um, no, it's great growing up with a big family and stuff, but I, I think you guys were hitting it on the button with this old-school mentality of how we were raised that nothing is given to us. And you've always been, uh, Rich, you've always been humble, uh, to me, in my opinion, you've always been kind. You've been, been very, uh, and even though you won what you've won and been on the top of the, the, the mountain, uh, you were still humble in the sense. And, and I think you're right. If you start, if anybody starts going around going, I'm entitled, I'm entitled, I'm gifted, I'm special. Mm. And you get that kind of attitude. It's a weird thing to have. I don't think at any point I've woken up in one morning going, ah, I get a kickback now. I get a coast. I've never had that feeling in my life, and I don't know. It seems like a lot of people do get that. Would you want it? Never. I, I no, no, because for me, it was never winning the shows or winning the powerlifting or martial arts or, or or the TV shows. It was always all right. That was fun. I got there. Let, let me, let's move on to the next thing. Keep keep kicking ass and keep doing my thing. And uh, yeah, even now more than ever, it's like, hey, now you can coast. You're fifty. Uh -uh. I want to be free. My training partner is Robbie Robinson at 72. That's that's the shit I want to beat. You wow. know, he's he is amazing. I, I see pictures of him, the condition he's in. I, it's you know, he was my boyhood hero. 
I got to compete with him on stage. And then after I retired, he was still competing. Right. You know, it's just incredible. And like you said, he's 72, the way he looks. And that's, but that's the kind of thing you and me are around is it's we see those kind of people. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I want to be better than that though. Yeah. And, and that's another 20, you know, 22, 23 years away from now. And, and that's my goal. And it's so, I don't know why people ever settle, but I think in today's society. And, and when I talk to people, they're like, well, I got bad knees and bad back. I, I think I should just kind of give it up. How old are you? 29. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, sheesh. Yeah, but, I just, I like the old school mentality of just every day, get up, bring your lunchbox and put your freaking work in. You know, a, a minute ago, you, you, you talked about being dyslexic. And yeah. um, I, I, I like hearing that because one of the greatest ironies in my life is that I would have grown up to be the senior editor of a bodybuilding magazine when I started life obese and dyslexic. So uh, that was my struggle. And I know what an incredible struggle that was. And I I want you to kind of go back to that for a minute. How did you overcome that? What was your method of of getting through that? Because that's, I, I, I speak from the heart when I tell you, brother, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, just admitting I, it is hard. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I was, everything we look back to, our hardships seem to be blessings. And I think that was the biggest blessing in my life because uh, it forced me to adapt and become something different instead of just going along, along in line with everybody else and being a cookie cutter. Um, I, I realized I love sports um, and I realized I liked being a loner. Because I was pushed into special ed classes. Were you pushed into special ed classes, and they try to give you a little extra help and stuff? Yeah, and I, still couldn't I, I, I couldn't read. Yeah, I was. I would I'd transpose numbers and letters, and, and you know, words looked the same. I still, I still to this day have trouble with it. I, I, I like I said, the the irony is incredible to me that I, and ended up in this career path. But uh, I guarantee that it, it was, to you then. I guarantee that when that happened. And I know this happened to Mark Bell as well. Um, you, we were with the uh, special kids, kids right. that needed a little extra help and stuff. So how many fights did you get in to protect the kids in your classroom, the special kids, against the regular kids? All of them. All of them. Yep. Fighting every day, right? <laughs> yeah. They come and tease somebody that's in a wheelchair or, or, or couldn't speak well or anything. I was sticking up for that kid, beating up the other kid. Yep. That's what got me into bodybuilding because I, I was one of those guys that wasn't really good in sports. So I was a little, you know, clumsy. You know, you know, my dad never was out there throwing a ball or teaching me how to play football, baseball, because he was working all the time. And I really was, you know, I was upset that he wasn't like that. Later on, as an adult, I respected what my dad did because he was providing and he was right. working hard for his kids. And, you know, I, we became the best of friends. I don't know if you remember, like when I competed, my dad was at every one of my shows. He was there as a, you know, as a fan. And it was a, it was something really great that I, you know, later on we were talking about being father. I got closer to my dad as an adult than I did as a child, which I, I had resent towards him because I thought he never did anything with me because he was always working. He was too tired. He couldn't do anything. Would you call that tough love? Yeah, I call it tough love. My dad taught me. Definitely about I, I to this day I cherish 
what he taught me. And this is why I am who I am. You know, yeah. everything that I do and I work hard for it. And, you know, I, I have obstacles and setbacks, but I always say, you know what, as long as I'm still on this earth, still breathing, I'm just going to keep moving forward. And, you know, that's, that's something everyone like yourself, C.T. Fletcher, all of us that have had setbacks, you know, the guys that are successful are the guys that move forward, um, even through setbacks, because, you know, you're not really a loser unless you quit, you know. My dad taught me something, um, and I never spoke about it. Uh, when I got to California, I got gladiators within weeks, went out, tried out for it, kicked ass, got it. Um, I had the uh, contract with uh, Weeder. I had some other things going on. I was, uh, you know, training, training people. So I made some good money. Um, and within the first couple of years in California, I already made it uh, a seven figures. And I did the whole California fall into this trap thing. I did the whole, there was like a father figure here. And I, uh, he goes, hey, Mike, you know, invest that money with me. Um, and I'm going to. I'm going to make you 15% interest on it and all this and that. Within a year, he snagged it and split town. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And uh, shortly after that, obviously, that, that was one of the big falls for me. Shortly after that, uh, my dad uh, was found out to have cancer. And uh, he was starting to, uh, and it was, we couldn't stop it. It was, it was coming. And he said to me, he says, uh, um, and I still remember this day, a true man can go out and make that money, lose it, and make it again. Uh, and he said, I'm dying, but you're dead. So stop this. Go out there and start living this life again and make it back. Wow. And at that point forward, man, I went out there and I, I, I kicked ass again, did it, and just was smarter the second time. But for him, that tough love growing up to where he wasn't there, um, as much because he had to work to raise 10 kids. Um, what he said there at that point, yeah, that woke me up. And it's our parents, old school parents, man, when they work, they work. And, and they're there to raise us and, and set us up and feed us. Um, and I know that as kids, we kind of look at that and go, ah, that's not great. But then when we come in, we go, wow, he really, he cared for me and he really did what he had to do. Mm -hmm. And that's the greatest thing in the world, I think. They, they, right. make, you, they make you figure shit out. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I learned it later on in life. And, you know, like I said, I was very close to my dad. And, you know, it was later on in life, not earlier in life. And it, a lot of the things, life lessons that he taught me were that I figured out later on, not at the time he was doing it, you know, so, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> right. But so, Mike, we um, we're going to I want to I want you to wind up the show with one piece of advice that you could give. If, if, if there's one, if you could distill what you've learned in the last few decades down to a, a, a basic tenet of success, what would you tell somebody who's just breaking into this industry now and has stars in their eyes and dollar signs in the back of their heads and they're ready to go for it? Uh, drop the dollar signs. If you really want to do this, don't do this for the fame or the money. Uh, whatever it is, uh, do it because you love it. Um, I know that's kind of a cliche, but if you do something for money or fame, you can't maintain it because it doesn't come easy. And if it does, you don't appreciate it. So, uh, my recommendation is believe in yourself, put in the work, um, 
And don't worry, the dark times are going to probably be one of the greatest times later on in life when you look back at it. Um, when it comes to social media, be yourself. Do not make a facade. Do not be this phony person that sooner or later, I mean, Rich, you know this, right? We have to do appearances. They're going to see us in person. And when you meet the person in person, if they're nothing like they did in the magazines or in TV, you lost everything. You lost all your credibility. But if you are true to who you are on social media, you'll get the fan base that you really want. The numbers aren't anything. I don't care if you got, I know guys that have two, three, four million followers, but they're not committed to those people. Um, it, it, I know guys that have 50,000 followers that are making millions because those are loyal fans that believe in what they do and, and they have something truly valuable uh, for them. So you I don't know if that helps you, Johnny, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's... What, you're, what you're saying is be authentic. That's the word, you know, being authentic on social media. When I talk to C.T. Fletcher, for example, you know, because I said, you do all this cursing and he goes, is that really you? He goes, this is me. This is how I act. No, no this, this is, is me, motherfucker. Yeah, this is me, motherfucker. That's <laughs> him, you know? <laughs> I competed against uh, CT back in the early 90s in powerlifting. Really? And he's been this way his whole life. And see, you should, I wish you would have talked to him before. CT hated my guts. Really? <laughs> as, as, as we were young, hated my freaking guts. I don't, he tells a story, it's so good. He goes, I don't care who this pretty boy is. He ain't going to outlift me. <laughs> and, I, and I won best lifter. And he goes, Fah, he can take, he can win the thing and take your girl. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> now, like the best of points. Um, you're right. A character. <laughs> All those guys, you know, Mark Bell, uh, the struggles and how he came out. Jeez, um, it just builds character, man. The longer we're here, I wish it, somebody said, you know, th that whole cliche about uh, um, youth is wasted on the young. Mm. Man, if we knew what we knew now when we were 20, whoo! <laughs> I say that all so the true. time. Yep. So true, yeah. so true. So, so Mike, if someone wants to, you know, be able to train with you, where do they go? to go to your social media? Is there a website? Anything Mike O'Hearn. Anything, Michael. Anything, Michael. You'll find me. I'm smart enough to grab that name early on. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Google it. Google it. Okay. Google Michael Hearn. You'll find him. Google, Google Michael Mike. Hearn. Find me. Website Michael Hearn. Anything you guys can uh, you can find me and stuff. Um, we're gonna do this again, boys. But I, I'm gonna get your faces on here. We're gonna do a, a, a Skype. My team's over here going. I can't believe you don't got their faces on here. We'll go. We'll go on after, but let's just. Uh, you know, um, no, I know wrap later, up, later wrap on up the show. But so, Mike, you know, it was really a pleasure having you on the show. It, you know, I, I was enlightened by learning a lot more about you because I've known you so for so many years. And, you know, that's why I said to John, I say he'd be a perfect guest for this show because, you know, it, it's something that you've been doing this so long and you're still here. You mentioned names. That's funny that you were training with. In those days, those guys are gone. Yeah, and you're yeah. still there. You're still there. That's pretty <laughs> friggin' amazing. That's what's really amazing. You know, a, a couple of years ago, I went to Gold's Gym, and it's funny. I, I, you know, I went to Venice and I went around and I saw the same guys. They're, they're, you know, they're older guys, and I'm like, holy crap, these guys are still here. Some of these guys, <laughs> but some of the, but some of the big names that I would see on there, you know, like Flex Wheeler and Chris Cormier and yeah. You know, Mike Christian and all these guys that have passed through 
you know, Gold Jim, that you've been there. You've seen every one of these guys, you know, champions, and you're still still, kick, still kicking. You're still kicking. I think that <laughs> what I appreciate is that somebody that's been on the journey with me on the same road like you and Johnny, you guys are there, and, like, Samir Banuk comes in, and, and he said the other day, he goes, the one thing I give you credit for is you put in the work every single day, never stop. And it's like, you know, Samir, I, I remember very fondly because that was the first year I competed is when he won the Olympia. And so just from us old school guys, man, it's fun to be able to chat with you and know that uh, we're still here. We're still kicking. I appreciate that's the, I guess for me, what means something to me is it's not that I got a fan base. It's who's that fan base. And, and if I can say that Rich Gaspari said, oh, no, I'm proud of you. For, for doing what I do, that's huge to me, man. That's a trophy um, for, like, you to say that or Lee Haney said that and stuff. It's like, that's that's my trophy. That's better than anything I ever won. So I appreciate uh, that respect. No, I definitely I definitely respect what you've done, Mike. And like I said, I'm proud that you've come on the show, and I, I think you're a perfect example of what this show's about, about, you know, people that have... What you just said is the passion of being in the fitness field, being able to become someone a name and then right now you're living your passion you know monetizing it and it's not about the money it's like what you're doing is you're enjoying your life and what you love to do yeah that that's hey, that's that's success right there is getting to be able to do what you yeah, love to do that's, that's living the american dream yep that's living the american dream <laughs> yeah if you so, guys saw my girl mona i i think you guys both know mona marison yes. she ran for fitness uh, editor yes, yes um, i know her very well and so, man, that also, I, I know we skipped all that past, but I think that also regenerated me when I started dating her because I think that was the first girl I, uh, I dated and I was like, I got to, I got to up myself. I got to, I got to step mm. up the next level to even to hang with a girl like that. So yeah. <laughs> I think that changed me. You know, I was always dating somebody that kind of fit me yeah. instead of going outside of my going, Oh, sheesh, there's a businesswoman that runs it and doesn't take bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I needed that East Coast girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, like, no, you were able to do it. Like, you know, as they said, for every great man, there's a, there's a woman behind them, you know, that helps yeah. them. That's, they that's, are. that's absolutely true. Um, so in we saying that. Up, I want to I go real quick. Sorry about that. But, Johnny, how did you overcome the dyslexia and move forward and, and get to where you got to because of the fact that, you know, we're doing something, we're, we're writing things, we're, we're doing stuff, and where you got to being dyslexic, how did, how did you do it? Two, two things. My mom, number one, I still remember sitting on my mom's knee and she's be pointing at the word, what's that word? And then I would say it and it was wrong. And then she'd point to the another word that looked almost exactly like it and say, what's that word? And, and I would say that that was the word that, and back and forth, back and forth until she got it into my head that y your brain's got to twist this around. And she, she just tirelessly worked me reading like one word at a time in these little books. I remember day after day after day. And then when I, when I got to school and uh, it, it, was, it was third grade, I remember, and we had to write a story. And it was the first time that we were allowed to, the story could be about anything we wanted. It was my first assignment of anything we wanted. And I painstakingly wrote, you know, word by word, what I wanted to write. And when I handed it in the next day, the teacher called me up and said, this was the best 
the, this was the number one, this was the best piece of work, that uh, homework that anybody has. This is the best story. I want you to stand up in, in the front of the class and read it. And I was absolutely petrified that I had to like read anything, <laughs> you know, and, and I stood up there and I read it and I didn't screw up anything. I just thought of my mom sitting on my mom's knee. And, and from that moment on, I was able to do it. It was, I, I broke somehow broke through that barrier and everything that my mom was working with me with and the other teachers from the, you know, the, the assistants I was, I was getting from, from the school system. It all just kind of like clicked. And, and from then on, it was still, I mean, it still took yeah. forever, but yeah. it, it, it was the door opened was at that point. Just imagine if it was today, they would have just gave you some medication or something. Right, I'd be on Ritalin now, and you know, sitting in the corner <laughs> drooling over on my tablet. Uh, that's okay, son. You're special. <laughs> You're special. You, yeah. yeah. Here's a, here's a, here's a tablet. Go watch YouTube. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, this was great. This was great, Mike. I really we really enjoyed you on the show, and yeah. definitely we're gonna have you on again. You know, to talk more about some of the stuff that we missed. Yep. Absolutely. So thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys.